It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Oh, if you are hungry, get ready. Wahoo's Fish Taco, Las Vegas proud partner of our show for football season here on Raider Nation Radio. Hour number two coming up, NASCAR driver Kurt Busch will join us here within a half hour and we'll preview in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big show tomorrow. My John Gruden interview. I was with Coach Gruden this morning over in Henderson and we'll talk and break down not only the rivalry, the win against Baltimore, but exactly what needs to happen for what the Raiders to get out of there with a the victory. They are a heavy underdog on the road. Both teams are 1-0. Pittsburgh coming off the win at Buffalo, which was pretty shocking to me. Todd Parmalee is one of my best friends in the world, vice president of operations, Wahoo's Fish Taco, and he's in here to explain all of these offers and football promotions. How are you, Todd? Yeah, well, great. It's, uh, it takes me back to being here with you and Bobby back to your overnights yes. in Tropicana, the <laughs> studio over there in the late you, 90s. What stuff? for a second we used to uh, the reason i met my wife todd was at the hard rock center bartender legend in this town everyone listening to me knows todd parmalee here in town now he has this unbelievable opportunity for us here but you were with me early early on and bobby yeah. in the overnight days on tropicana i wouldn't even know how to get there anymore yeah well We'll keep all the stories right Please. there. Yeah, leave it right so. there. Well, hey, thanks for having us in. We're in here with our executive chef. Uh, we got Ray in here, and then we got Ryan Fleming with our marketing. We put together a great football promo at all at six of our locations. Right out of the gate, we're giving away uh, $85,000 in free play. And, JT, I know you don't sit down at the machines, but free play is gold to the gamers that are listening. So you can get uh, acquire that and awarded that through our um, passive football program, uh, which is very popular in town. Um, as well as our weekly uh, free parlay card giveaways. Just come in leading up to the games on the weekends, free, pick your the winners, and mm-hmm. if you win, we load up your card and get you all set up on free play again, which is gold to us. And then our partners with Constellation Brands, with Modelo and Corona, Corona Seltzers. Um, we got a lot of beer specials from buckets to pints to mugs uh, going all the time, every NFL game. Thursday through the weekends and, of course, up to Monday Night Football. And our other partners with uh, Anheuser-Busch um, are supporting us this year with some great offers. And uh, um, and then Neff Vodka, which is new to the market. Yeah, tell me about Neff yeah, Vodka. Neff you know, Vodka. I'm a vodka drink. i got to hear about this. Yeah, so uh, our, our great owner of the Golden Knights is in the spirits and wine, and it's uh, through his house, uh, Mr. Foley. So we brought that in, and we do a lot with them. They're great support for Wahoo, so we're really excited there. But our, our partners in all beer, liquor, and wine are awesome, so we're featuring them through football. And then Chef Ray here's got us uh, dialed up with all the food stuff going on. ton of TVs. Uh, we just opened our sixth location at Eastern uh, between St. Rose and Horizon. We got the outdoor patio where we got five TVs up there. Um, and then downstairs, everything going on in the bar. So we're, we're wrapped up for uh, football. Todd Parmley in studios. We're talking about our partnership here with Wahoo's Fish Taco. Uh, this is a tremendous brand for me because you know my sons, and we've been 
great customers for a long <laughs> yeah. period of time. This is the only Mexican food and the food that my sons love the most and all the extra cuisine and all the other great dishes you have. you got a great chef that you brought over. Tell us about the menu and how this menu has evolved and the brand has evolved over the years. Yeah. Uh, our menu is actually it's based off since uh, the original Wahoos in 1988 out of Southern California and we've been in, uh, we're going to celebrate our 10 years here coming up at our Sunset Rainbow but the menu basically high points um, three different categories. So we have the uh, traditional Mexican combined with uh, Asian influence from our uh, the Hawaiian uh, islands. Mm. And then uh, the, our spices come from Brazil. And uh, so we give it that Cajun uh, uh, flavoring. And the reason is the originators of Wahoos were surfers, and that's where they surfed. Right. And they picked up the best of all three. Um, so we call it California beach cuisine. Uh, but you can get the best of the best. And then our bar food, which a lot of people are getting to know, our chicken wings, nachos, what you get traditionally while watching football, while the draft beer is pouring, we nail that too. Tell us about the location right outside the Palms, close to the stadium now on Flamingo. Every time I go in there, I have a great time. We have a lot of events with our buddies, and we go in there. And I just love that location and how that brand is built right there right across the street from the gold coast palms right there and now so close to the stadium where a lot of people are meeting there and, before they go tailgate for raider games and we saw it on sunday they yeah. found us it was a great great uh, day of business for us there so we opened that in december of 2019 and then of course the pandemic hit in march of 2020 and now people are finding us so there's a lot of excitement and energy we got a great manager there and chris rye who's leading the team and things are opening up around there and then when san manuel uh, uh, casino opens yeah. for the Palms. We're we're really in a great spot. Todd Parmalee in studio, Vice President of Operations for Wahoos. You know, you're a big sports fan, and we've traveled. We've been to games together. Now with UNLV on Saturday, the Raiders on Sunday. You're a big Georgia college football fan. This college football vibe and what you're doing at Wahoos is really special here, especially at that new eastern location where you can come out on that second deck and look back at the strip and watch all these college games. Yeah, college football is great for us. We all support UNLV football. In fact, we have a big catering um, uh, order going out to them Monday. Monday. So we do a lot with them, and our good friend Joe Harrow hooked us up with them. Jersey so we support Joe. UNLV. And then, of course, I carry in my own my own college <laughs> team with the Bulldogs. But uh, we really want to get behind UNLV football. Uh, I mean, they're in the stadium, and what the you know the investment in their facilities and people like Joe Harrow and the administration and the right coaches, we're there for them, and we look to grow. But, but I tell you, college football at Wahoos is a lot of fun. It's great. Wahoos is a great time. If you haven't been there in a while, go there, take your kids for lunch, for dinner, go there to watch football the connection with Modelo as you know I love Modelo's and that connection we have with you guys at Wahoos you know you've seen this town grow and you've seen this town go through the pandemic and we're trying to get out the other side of it I'm really proud to be associated with you guys and your entire team because you kept your employees working you kept these doors open you made sure of that How's it been for you and the entire staff here? This is a loyal group of people, a great ownership group, to keep the doors open and fight through this pandemic and entertain so many fans. Yeah, Matt and Shelley Flandemeyer, who brought Wahoos to town here, uh, their, their entire family are very, uh, you're in the Wahoos family when you're brought in uh, as an employee. And they kept, you know, through the pandemic, we just checked on everybody. We kept our operations going, making sure people could pay their bills. We were working with our partners, who I mentioned uh, some of them today, uh, getting people fed that needed it during those hard times. And we just want to be a part of the community. That's why they brought them out here, and that's what we look to take advantage of our brand with the community and grow like the sports 
uh, arena is out here. All right, a sharp play for tonight. I was born and raised a Giant fan. I've been with the Silver and Black forever. That's where my loyalty is. You're on the other side tonight. You yeah. think Washington is going to pound away at the big blue wrecking crew? Yeah, I just think their defense is so tough. So I like, I, you know, not to throw any, don't anybody <laughs> bet off what I say tonight, but I like the under a lot okay. uh, because of the, you know, Fitz, Fitzpatrick not in there. And, um, you know, bringing out a new quarterback. And Barkley's still questionable in that offensive line on the Giants. I really like the Redskins to sort of uh, keep the ball on their side of the field and uh, win this one tonight. Finally, tell us why everybody should go to Wahoos. What's the hook? What are you most proud of? You've been involved with a lot of brands. You have a lot of influence in this town. This has been a great fit for you and a lot of your friends, our family. We're family. We're like brothers, and it's a great partnership for us. Yeah, Wahoos food, and that's what most people know us for. It's really clean. You can come in there and eat um you know if you're health conscious we have so much our menu's huge it's just not fish tacos that's what we're known for but we go deeper than that and then when you come in and see how we set up our, our full service gaming bars we have great technologies tvs big bars great staff that's really what it comes down to when you walk into our people uh into our places it's our people and uh that's what we keep growing um, so if anybody out there is looking for employment, we'll take you too. So maybe what I need to do is have my bucket of Modelo's at Wahoo's on Friday and do some remotes here because of all the locations. Give everyone the locations here in the Valley, everyone listening throughout Vegas. Great. So the original one, Sunset and Rainbow, and then we have a great location in Boca Park. Um, then we go up to Horizon Ridge in the Black, uh, Black Mountain area. Um, then Centennial Hills, uh, that location is yeah, just crushing it right yeah. now. Um, then Flamingo, what you mentioned, the Palms, and then our latest location that we open on Eastern between St. Rose and Horizon. That's the world's largest Wahoos. The world's largest Wahoos where you could, wa- you could watch a UFC fight, a fight boxing. You love that. All the sports and college football. Thanks for coming in and feeding us. Everybody yeah. here is hungry. And again, thanks for being a partner. We've been trying to do this for a while, and it's a great fit. We're going to have a great football yeah, no, season. I love you guys and any time, and uh, we'll get together for those Modellos. So. You got it. There he is, Todd Parmalee, Vice President of Operations, Wahoos Fish Taco. Please support them. They are a proud partner of our show, and we appreciate that. Real quickly, Raider 6 66 here in Vegas. Go ahead. Hey, JT, how you doing? A, a great interview with uh, with Villapiano. That's Thank the best you. guy to have on this Steelers run. But I, I got it was funny. He mentioned that he was sitting next to Bob Moore on the plane ride home because my story is about him. Bob Moore had an interesting night before the game. He and one of the uh, other uh, linebackers, not one of the starters, wanted to go out and see a movie. So they went out to see a movie. They come back to the hotel, and it's kind of surrounded by Steelers fans laying siege to the thing. Well, the city called out a bunch of police to keep the fans back. So Moore and, uh, and his teammate tried to get into the uh, hotel to go back to the room, and the cop said, uh, I don't care who you are, you're not getting to the front of the line. Well, Moore throws an F-bomb back at him and gets cracked over the skull with a billy club. He's wow. on the ground. He's on the ground. They got guys holding his legs and his arms. They beat him a couple more times. They throw him in a paddy wagon, and the cop there sees uh, blood coming on him. He goes, we're taking you to the hospital. So he goes to the hospital. They're stitching him up, and the doctor says, wow, you're pretty lucky. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, well, usually when we see guys in your shape after you've been worked over like that, it's in the morgue because they've been fishing you out of the river. So the wow, next what day, a story. well, they go down. So they go, we're going to take you down a book you after they stitch him up. So they take him down to the police station. Coach Madden is there. The mayor of Pittsburgh is there. The chief of police is there. And they go, Bob, we don't want any trouble. Uh, we got a deal for you. He goes, if you don't press charges, uh, they'll let you off and they won't book you. He goes, F that. So they worked out another deal. 
Anyway, next day at the game, he is so swollen, he can't get his helmet on. So they take, uh, I think it's uh, Kelvin Corver had the biggest head on the team. So they take his helmet, one of his helmets, rip all the protective stuff out, and put a couple of styrofoam discs in there so that he has a helmet to watch uh, to wear for the game. So it, he uh, he had a very interesting first uh, night before the, uh, the night immaculate before the immaculate game. reception. Appreciate yep. you sharing yep. that story. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Phil Villapiano is the best storyteller in the history of the Raiders. Thanks again to Wahoo's Fish Taco. Eighty-five thousand dollars. In free play this season, proud partner of our show. Go support all of their locations in town. When we come back, Kurt Busch is going to join us. He's still in the playoffs for NASCAR. He is a member of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. He's won a bunch, and he needs to win to stay alive this weekend. We'll talk to him, and then get some preview calls in on what it will take. One thing it will take, the one key for the Raiders to win in Pittsburgh right here on the flagship. You know, like I said, it's it's about us at the end of the day. It doesn't matter um, what anybody has to say. Uh, it's just we got to take care of business. I feel like this group has what it takes. So we just got to keep proving that, you know, one week at a time. Mad Max, what a game he had. AFC Defensive Player of the Week in Week 1. What a high honor. JT, thanks again for the Wahoos team coming in. Really quick story. I'm going to get out to your calls. That Todd Parmalee, who was just here, is my best friend here in Vegas, and he's the reason I met my wife because I went up to get a shot with him and two of my buddies before the Rolling Stones at the Hard Rock, and if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have went to that bar, and I wouldn't have met my wife, and I wouldn't have been married, and I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be here in Vegas. Would have been long gone. He is the reason. Todd Parmalee, so Wahoo's proud partner of our show. You know that I endorse my proud partners and anyone I do business with here on Raider Nation Radio. I use these businesses. I go to these restaurants. I support these partners. So please support Wahoos. Go there and watch games and have a really good time. Chris in West Oakland joining us as always. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well, JT, and I love listening when you bring Todd Parmalee in, and I love the way you've always supported the local stuff around you know, wh- wherever you're at. And uh, one of these days, i got to get there and try one of them fish tacos. But, listen, I called you on Tuesday, talked about I was going to bask in the glory, wasn't going to talk anything of the negatives. Well, time to be a little more analytical. And what I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I think Pittsburgh, this is going to be a tougher game for the Raiders. It's on the road. Pit, I believe Pittsburgh's better than Baltimore. I think they've got a better defense, and Baltimore's defense is damn good. I'm a little concerned with the offensive line and the injuries of this team. They've got to clean some stuff up. Defensively, they were pretty good. I think they only had one or two defensive penalties. We didn't have a bunch of offsides, a bunch of bad penalties. The bad penalties, the false starts, the holdings came on the offensive side of the ball. We can't do that in Pittsburgh. And you're right about what you said, JT. I believe this team's got to play an almost perfect game or a great game to win. Listen, this team could play a very good to a great game and still lose. I told you last week on your national show, Pittsburgh's going to win the AFC North. I think everybody wrote them off based on the way they finished last year, and they were depleted with injuries. So for the Raiders to win this week, 
It, it, let's face it. We're not going to pound the ball. We're not going to run it 40 times a game. We're going to have to do more of the same. We're going to have to protect Derek Carr. He's going to have to spread the ball around, make big plays, and they're going to have to probably put 28 to 30 points on the board, which is going to be really, really tough. Defensively, again, I'm not expecting you to go out and hold the Steelers to under 300 yards, but we need at least two big turnovers to set this team up on a short field. If we do that, I think we can get out of there with a victory. If we don't turn the ball over, I think it's going to be a very, very tough game. for. And listen, starting the season with a long road trip off a Monday night game, I was hoping for 1-1. and 2-0 and would be a bonus if they go 1-1, and but they got to show up. They can't do like they've done in the past after a good Monday night game and go and get boat raced in Pittsburgh. I'm going to go out on a limb, 28-27, Carlson's going to kick a field goal at the gun if the Raiders get two turnovers. Less than two turnovers, I don't think they win this game. Thank you, my friend. I will talk to you tomorrow or Monday after the game. You got it. Chris and West, Oakland with the Raiders won 33-27. In that game, the Silver and Black put up 491 total yards. Baltimore turned it over twice. Las Vegas only turned it over once, and the Raiders won the time of possession. It went overtime, 34 minutes of possession. Raiders had 26 first downs in that game and started off slow. Yeah, the, Pittsburgh's not a walkover. Pittsburgh is a tremendous organization, and they're a team that's built on defense. And I'm, I'm concerned about Carr because of the injuries on the offensive line. This is not a game where Carr is going to be able to sit back in the pocket like Stabler, like a statue, and look left, look right, look left again. No shot. Ball's got to come out quickly. He's got to change the plays at the line of the scrimmage to quick, quick release plays. I think he can do that. And I want to know what's going on with Josh Jacobs. I mean, if Josh Jacobs is going to be injured almost every game he plays or banged up, come on. It's the first game of the year the guy's banged up. We need Josh Jacobs healthy. You might want him healthy for the end of the year. There's going to be no end of the year unless Josh Jacobs is healthy early in the year. He's got to be available. Mariota, not available. Incognito, not available. Possibly Yannick Ngakwe and Josh Jacobs, who are banged up and on the injury report. How do you, how do you win in Pittsburgh with this many injuries? you got to play a clean game. Sanger Raider checking in right here in Vegas. What's happening? Hey, JT. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Um, I think the uh, the key here is that they need to treat Roethlisberger the way they did uh, Lamar. Mm-hmm. Constant pressure. I think Gus Bradley is going to have to pull some rabbits out of his hat and show some different stunts, uh, you know, some different looks. Because, let's face it, Roethlisberger cannot run. So he's going to be a statue back there. Mm-hmm. we got to get to him. And just like the last caller, we got to create some turnovers. And I think that if we do that sooner or later, Ben's going to fumble that ball. And maybe once, maybe twice, who knows? But I'm, I'm thinking they're going to at least make him fumble at least once. And, and that's the key, I think, constant pressure on Big Ben. Yeah. And I'm... the offense is going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. They've always, they're always putting points upon the game. It's not going to happen until the second half, though. I've, always, I've noticed in all my years watching Raiders that they play ball after they figure out their opponent in the second half, just like they did to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. 
Appreciate the call. Thank you. Uh, you know, Gus Bradley spoke a little while ago. We're going to cover a portion of that. We're going to play about five minutes of it coming up before the end of the show here. I'm very interested. I didn't get a chance to hear it. It's happening now as we're on the radio, but Gus is going to talk about who's available and what needs to happen in this game. Vic Tafer tweeted out, Gus said he was pleased with how fast his defense played and loved the communication between players on the field. That was a big storyline last year. They didn't communicate well. They weren't lined up correctly. You know, in that cover three, you could line up correctly. You could play conservative and have everybody dink and dunk underneath you. I like that with this type of personnel. Trayvon Merrick's a young guy. Make it easier on him. Jonathan Abram, make it easier on him. All right. I'm thrilled for this opportunity to talk to Kirk Bush who's kind enough to join us as NASCAR is coming back to Vegas on its way to Bristol, and he's kind enough to join us on Raider Nation Radio, where he is a born-and-raised Vegas original. Kurt, thanks a lot for doing this. We appreciate it, and you just heard me as we were getting you set up here. Monday night football. What did you think of that Raiders victory? I mean, it was bonkers. I mean, what were everybody's emotions on how much are we going to see this go back and forth? You know, the, the drama that Vegas always creates just on its own and now we got the sports teams doing it inside the stadiums i mean <laughs> it was off the charts i'm really happy for vegas to pull off the win like that and get things going and to get the season started for them. yeah and you've embraced the golden knights which is great too you'll put on a golden knights jersey and you'll come out to the game so you know from your early years here and what you love about the city and nascar coming here twice a year now to have major sports leagues here on top of that it's special it is. I mean, it's a continuation of, of Clark County's growth. You know, the, the city uh, with Goodman as the mayor, everybody has contributed the right way. You know, COVID has slowed things down. It's been unfortunate. Um, you know, the gaming industry has had to weather this storm, but that's probably the toughest industry I've ever seen around the world. And, and it's the hospitality and the friendliness of people in the gaming industry on the Strip in Vegas. Nice. So, you know, I think it went through family types of uh, advertising in the 90s, you know, the clubs and the, and the restaurants and the things in the 2000s. And then now with sports, you know, just taken over in Vegas in 2020. Like it's it's everywhere with NASCAR, the Knights, you know, with Raiders, a big baseball stadium up in Summerlin. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Kurt Bush is our guest. Before we get to NASCAR, what was with that party you threw for your wife? I'm looking at the social media. Nelly, and oh, my God, what a party you threw. How long did it take you to put that together? You know, she, as you know, my wife Ashley's wonderful, and she's been so timid and, and <laughs> on her own lockdown with COVID and not seeing people and not being around people and, you know, with, with being vaccinated now and most of her family and everybody that came did a great job to respect everything to, and, and that's how we had the table set up for everybody to enjoy cocktails before, like a business setting. It was great to get some business caught up. Uh, family, <laughs> my parents came up, her parents hosted, and then we had a, a little club action uh, for late <laughs> night and surprised everybody with a performance by Nelly. Uh, and that, that's what put it off the charts. And all that started was from her brother, being a big rapper, uh, like fanatic when mm-hmm. he was a kid, it influenced my wife to, to have a little bit of that hip hop vibe in her. It looked great. Great job on the social media here. 
Mrs. Ashley Bush, if you want to see it and what she does with all the great charity work here for Kurt. Kurt, since this new NASCAR playoff format came about a little while ago, are you comfortable with it? Do you, do you, would you tweak it any differently? I know you win, you get in, you got to keep winning, you got to try to win if you're on the outside looking in. What is it like? What do you and the fellow drivers think about it as we're this deep into the season and now early in the postseason? Oh, I, I love the win and get in aspect mm-hmm. of it. And then you get uh, the top 16 guys. You know, a few of them usually make it in off points and consistency, and they're going to be strong in the playoffs as well. Uh, when I won it years back, it was a 10-race stretch. Now it's uh, three races three different sequences, and then you have the championship race. Uh, maybe there's somewhere we could find the, a happy medium of having a five-race series at five different tracks, and you've got to accumulate points to get you to the final race. I don't know. It just seems like 10 weeks is still a, a long stretch, but I know our TV audience is important. All of our markets that we race in are hugely important to the success of the sport, so it's hard to slim it down. But as a driver, uh, maybe it's just because I've been doing it 22 years. <laughs> it would be great if it was like a five-week stretch. Kurt Busch, as we wrap it up, where are you with your team now? Obviously, coming into this upcoming race, how do you feel overall, your team coming together? The best teams are the ones that flourish now. And I know you give a lot of credit to them and the ride you've had, especially coming into this week where everyone is gunning for you, the top of the leaderboard here. How do you feel coming into this weekend? We're feeling good. You know, Mm -hmm. Bristol Motor Speedway is one of my favorite tracks. Won there a bunch. You know, we're on the cutoff line to advance. And so we need a nice, smooth race with our Monster Energy Chevy team. And we know we can make a deep run in these playoffs. We just don't need to panic this weekend. We need to keep all the air in the tires, you know, knock Mm -hmm. on wood. And uh, just have a nice, smooth race and not get too nervous about calling uh, a weird strategy or finding a a problem on pit road or something. That's interesting you say that because you're an aggressive driver, your brother, the other aggressive drivers out there, but you understand the playoff format, Kurt, and how you have to have what you just said, a smooth race here and have to accomplish that goal to stay alive and keep moving. Yeah, it's a delicate balance, Yeah, but it, it brings out the best in everybody. And that's what I've coached my guys. You know, they've given me, the best car possible. We were all back and forth on communication with extra meetings. And then we got to get to that race and have the confidence and the poise to get the job done. Hey, finally here in Vegas, it was just yesterday, the 25 year anniversary to the day of the Las Vegas motor speedway. What does the speedway mean to you? As you started off the interview, talking about the success of Vegas going forward, you know, it's the largest crowd in all the sports when they come to Vegas. It's not football. It's not hockey. It's the Las Vegas Motor Speedway in your sport, NASCAR. You know, it's, it's been incredible. And the timing and the opportunity of, of my racing career, I believe, and I can point all fingers towards Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I'm so thankful for the track and with Ricky Klein building his vision mm-hmm. and selling it to Bruton Smith's company and, and them tying it into a full-time NASCAR uh, weekend. It, it's helped. It helped me tremendously. It's, it's boosted up my little brother, Brendan Gong, you know, Noah Gregson is up there. There's been a few other kids that have bumped up out of Vegas. And a lot of it is due to Las Vegas motor speedways presence and its uh, ability to draw attention around the world. 
always rooting for you. Have a great race this weekend. Keep it going. Stay alive in the playoffs and try to win this thing on the back end. Appreciate your time, Kurt. You got it. Thanks for rooting us on, man. It's you got to it. represent Vegas. Always. Kirk Bush. Appreciate that. Uh, nice local legend. Legend. A NASCAR champion. Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer. That's cool. We got him today. Thanks to Jeff Motley and the whole team over at the Motor Speedway. Always appreciate Jeff and their team there for hooking us up. That is fantastic. Speaking of the hookup, Five Iron Golf over at Area 15 has got the hookup. Several of them. You get in the simulator. You can try out the new clubs. You can have some great food and beverages. And see where I go to hit golf balls. It's the best in town. You'll enjoy yourself. You'll have fun. League plays are underway. You can still sign up at FiveIronGolf.com. Tell them JT sent you, and there's deals galore inside Area 15, Five Iron Golf. You know, we uh, lost a big part of our offense. Uh, hopefully it's not going to linger on. You know, he missed the whole preseason with a quad strain. He strained it again last night. The severity of that injury um, kept him out of the game. That's too bad as a 31-yard gain to really give us an element we haven't really had around here. John Gruden on the loss of Marcus Mariota. Raiders just sent over the injury report for today. And I'll just tell you who did not participate. Here, here's who did not participate today. Richie Incognito, calf. Let's go down to Josh Jacobs, toe, ankle, did not participate. Nick Witkowski, concussion, did not participate. Marcus Mariota, you just heard. Gerald McCoy and Denzel Good on IR. Good news, Yannick Ngakwe was limited. Great to see him out there, at least to give it a go. And also, Roderick Teamer did not participate. And Pittsburgh looks pretty clean. Looks pretty clean. Juju Smith-Schuster and Big Ben had a day off yesterday. They were full participants today. So you're going to see a healthy Steelers team and a banged-up Raiders team. Raiders are going to have to elevate their game to win this game. Gus Bradley had the defense going. He just met the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and he started off talking about what he saw on tape about the day. I think first and foremost, we want a defense that plays fast, and that's just understanding the game, understanding what we're asking of them. Uh, a lot of times we look at just by you know the attempts of going for the ball. You know, we got a couple of fumbles that we caused, so it, it appeared we played fast. I thought we played very good assignment football. Um, you know, they got some yards and points, but overall, I think that was the overall theme is that we played with really good effort, and I thought we played, you know, based on the game plan, what we wanted to do, and we executed fairly well. There's never always there. You know, there's things we got to work on, but overall, you know, that part was good. Is there a measure that you have in your mind? Because, like, as you said, they score points. I think everybody would agree you guys played well defensively, but there's points, there's yards. Like, how do you measure, or, or is it just what you see? Well, I think, like, missed tackles, uh, bus, you know, on the field, missed assignments, you know, blatant things that are, you know, guys left running wide open, things like that. You know, I didn't see as many of those. You know, there might be, you know, a single-digit number of those, which leads in the right direction. Uh, there are some areas, though, you know, we were fortunate, but um, – you know, we made some plays, like I said, you know, uh, uh, clipped them up on a scramble here and there and uh, saved it from being an explosive play. So I attribute that to the effort of the guys. Uh, 
least from our vantage point, it looked like Jonathan Edwards played a pretty good game. He did. I think he's getting more uh, understanding the techniques we're asking of him. You could look at tape and see those techniques. Um, you know, so I, he's in a good place right now. So it's just consistency now. I was you guys talked yesterday about um, the difference between now Lamar and Ben, and obviously a huge difference, but both extend plays differently. Yeah. So in a short week to protect or to protect, uh, yeah, it's just a completely different offense that we're facing. I mean, a very explosive, um, you know, different style of quarterback, strong, um, you know, it can extend plays, like you said, by stepping up in the pocket. Um, you know, you have to have a plan on him as far as pressure, just like we had last week. So he's just very accurate, does a great job with his quarterback, with his eyes, you know, so it's a whole new set of challenges with him. Uh, yesterday, Max said that the defense was good, but it could be great just in terms of his overall performance. What do you think is kind of the key in general to taking the next step? Well, I think, you know, like that fourth and one, we just had a, we had a bus there, you know, and it was a big play. You know, we have to eliminate those self-inflicted wounds. And I think when you do that as a defense, you have a chance to, you know, even raise the bar even more. So, like, just like that play, we had a couple of those, I think, that keeps us from, you know, I think everybody understands if they watch the tape that we still have a ways to go. Anybody watching the film that you didn't notice in the game, but watching the film you thought played particularly well? Um, you know, Phylon played pretty well for us. I thought he did a good job. Um, let's see, Corey Littleton did a nice job for us. I thought he, he you know, played pretty well. We had some guys that just got in the program, like KJ, you know, and Denzel Perriman. They did a nice job for us. So, you know, the corners, you know, did a good job staying on top. I mean, this is a very explosive offense, you know, through the run and the pass. So... You know, that, that was one of the keys. And I think those guys attributed, along with the rush, obviously, Max and Yannick and the in interior part. Coach, going late to the game, you were down about two defensive ends with Carl Nassib and Max Crosby who played most, if not all, of the fourth quarter. Can you just describe the conditioning that you've seen from Max right. Crosby? I, first of all, the D-line, they did. the coaches did a great job rolling those guys. We I think the big emphasis was fourth quarter rush. You know, we needed that part of it, and, and it came through. So that was that's a great illustration to pass on the players. Hey, this is something we've worked on, and we had to utilize it, and it came through. So I give them a lot of credit, you know, on the side. I think as a coach in that game, you could go up and down based on all the things that happened. But um, really, the defensive players, when they went onto the field, you didn't feel that up and down. It was more like, hey, we get another opportunity. You know, so give them credit for that. And... Uh, you know, but um, you know, overall, I think there's things like that that we can really showcase and show them. You know, hey, this is part of it. We're not there yet, but you know, that that's you know what it kind of looks like. With so many defensive linemen, a good player might not be able to dress out uh, on a week to week basis. Last week it was it was Cleve Farrell. Um, what does he have to do to get back on the field? And uh, well, he, he's having a good week of practice this week. I think for us, you know, just monitoring that and deciding, you know, at that point, you know, maybe the needs, what we see. Um, you know, we felt like this was a team that could really just line up and pound us last week. So, you know, that's on a week-to-week -week basis. But he, he's practicing really well, and he practiced well today. Pay attention to, you know, new age stats and, and that sort of thing. But I know uh, pressure rate, you guys graded out as a 54.5% of their dropbacks. You got pressure with just the defensive line. So um, was that is that individual effort of those guys just doing it? Is that them working together of, you know, kind of working against the offensive line? How, how do you do that? I think one of the what Coach Marinelli, Coach Smith preach a lot is second effort. That's been kind of the motto all the way through uh, training camp. 
And it, surely we needed it. There was a lot of second effort sacks and second effort pressures. And that's really around the league when you look at guys getting sacks. Rarely is it where they just beat a guy and make a sack. It's usually some sort of second effort. And, um, you know, that's, I think that group is really taking pride with that. They're second effort. They're hustling. When you see them on the field, you know, even a run play or a short pass, you see them running. So their conditioning is really good, we felt like. And just the ability to keep guys fresh and be able to roll is so important. I think overall for the D-line group, I mean, when everybody's playing, it's high morale too. You know, they feel like they have a role and they know they could have an impact. You talked about fourth quarter rush uh, being an emphasis, but also it's just, it's making a play. There were so many chances last year, I know that's been the past, but so many chances, you guys have a chance to make a play defensively, it just didn't happen. Like this, this time, several different occasions when there was a chance to make a play, you made a play. I mean, what does that say about your defense and where they are right now? Well, I think, you know, uh, give credit to the players. I mean, there was different guys, you know, that stood up and made plays. So that's even a, a better message to send, right? It wasn't just one guy. There was multiple guys that made plays. So we're just going to need that kind of effort. It was one game. You know, it's a long season. You know, we got to – it's not who we are yet. It's, it's good to show them what it can look like. But we still have a lot of work to do, and I think they're the, probably their hardest critics. You know, though there's a lot more left on the field, so it's really about being consistent. You feel pretty good about your players adapting to your scheme after one. They game. seem to be picking up. I, I love the communication that takes place on the field. Um, you know, they seem to take ownership of it more. They've done a great job understanding the game plan and going out there and executing it. Um, everybody seems to be in tune, so. You know, like I said, this week is a whole different set of, of issues that come up on a short week. So that's a challenge in itself. They're a very explosive offense, really good skill set on, at the wide receiver and tight end spot and running back. Quarterback, obviously one of the best that's played the game. So it, it's just a, a really challenging week for us right now in a short week. Talk about the explosive offense with uh, those young guys like Trayvon Merrick who's going to be out deep and Nate Hobbs getting tested by Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Are you excited to see what kind of challenge they'll have? It is. You know, I think when you look at them, it's banked experience. Even that fourth and one, you know, part of that safety in the middle is the racer tackler. And he's got to make that play. And uh, just by his alignment and his angle he took, well, there's a banked experience for him. You know, you'd like to have it a positive banked experience, but they can learn from that too. So hopefully, you know, all these situations that come up are new to him, you know, in our defense. So, you know, he just needs to get some banked experiences in there and, and have some success and learn from his mistakes. As you guys signed Damian Square, what did you like from what you saw from him during your time with the Chargers, and what does he bring to the table? He's a he's a guy that can play multiple positions. He can play nose, three, big end. At this point in time, with some of the injuries, he comes in. I think he's a quick study. You know, as far as understanding what we're asking of the position, um, you know, he could he could step in and play. You know, fairly fairly quickly. Uh, you know, if needed. So. He just brings that part of it. Really tremendous leader. The D-line group as a whole, very, very good group. Very close-knit group, very uh, uh, into the details, and he brings that along with it, so he'll fit in good with that group. All right, so that's what I wanted to hear right there at the end. That was Gus Bradley a little while ago speaking to the media over in Henderson, and that's important. If they add new players due to injury, they got to get up to speed quickly with this defense. And if you've, as you've noticed, everybody, a lot of people around the league – are good with Gus Bradley's defense. The cover three, the Legion of Boom style that he has implemented, and he's been coaching with the Chargers and Seattle, now with the Raiders. There are players around this league 
who are very comfortable playing that type of style and that type of scheme. What he said about Trayvon Merrick is interesting to me. That that missed tackle on the touchdown up the middle was a banked experience. He wished it was a better one, a positive banked experience, but even a negative play like that is experience for Merrick. This is going to be tougher because Juju, and you look at these receivers here. I went through the game again. Ben Roethlisberger threw a lot of underneath passes, several underneath passes. He's going to take what you give him. But his arm is still so strong. And when he steps into a ball and he's got one of these Raider corners beat, that ball's going to come out like a cannon. And those guys are fast. And I think the safety play, everybody's congratulating Jonathan Abram for the way he played box safety, and they should. He played a good game. Really played a smart game. But this is a game where I think he's going to play a lot more deep safety where him and Merrick are going to have to split the field up. And you're not going to see... Jonathan Abram coming up and taking as many chances in the box. I could be wrong, but you don't want to leave Merrick out there against Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, Bobby's cringing too. Trayvon Merrick, who played in college just a few months ago, you want him going up against Ben Roethlisberger one-on-one on a deep ball? I think the kid can do it. I think the kid can play. But this is his first ever road game. Ben Roethlisberger's got to be licking his chops to go up against these guys. Now, the only thing that could save the Raiders, I believe, in this game is the play of Max Crosby. And if Ngakwe can go. So Ngakwe's getting treatment, stimulation on his hamstring, right? He's getting all the treatment from the trainers on that. He's a burst player. Ngakwe isn't a type of player that comes off the edge a half a second late. He tries to hit the ball count, and he tries to explode. Well, what happens with a hamstring? If you try to work it too early and explode it, it could explode. You could tear it. So they got to think through that one. I think Cleveland Farrell's critical in this game. This is make or break for him. If he's a healthy scratch, if he doesn't play, goodbye. Then forget about it. You have injuries to Gerald McCoy, and you have Yannick Ngakwe, who's not 100%, and you've had a bad pass rush the last couple of years, and Cleveland Farrell can't get on the field. He's got to get on the field. And I think that's going to be really important in this game. Is what does this rotation look like? Uh, John Gruden told me today, you'll hear it tomorrow on Phylon. He was excited about Phylon's play and Hankins and what they're doing up front. And I think the linebackers will play a better game. They should play a better game in general than the game that they played. You know, going back and taking a look at the Ravens' victory, what did you think worked the best in that game? I cannot believe how many people complained about Waller getting too many looks. At one point I said... To someone I was with, stop. Getting the ball to Waller too often is a good thing. That's like saying getting the ball to LeBron James or Kevin Durant too much. They're taking too many shots. Steph Curry's taking too many threes tonight. Too bad. Too bad. He's Steph Curry. He can take too many threes. Darren Waller can get the ball too often. And he got the ball often, and he had a few drops. He had a few drops in that game. He had 10 receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown in the game. I think that what's going to come out next for the Raiders is someone who Pittsburgh is not expecting to have a big game is going to have to do that. For me, it's Kenyon Drake. It's Drake catching the wheel route. It's Drake coming off a block where he's supposed to chip T.J. Watt, and he does, but then Carr sees it and throws it over T.J. Watt to an open running back. And, and you know, maybe, maybe we're going to see a really big game out of Foster Moreau. Because I think you got to leave Moreau in to chip block 
you got to leave him in to help the offensive line. If you're able to leave him in and they're double teaming Waller and they're keeping an eye on Ruggs, isn't Foster Moreau supposed to have some big games around here? Yeah. Foster Moreau is supposed to have some big games around here. Well, he's going to have to have one in this game if he can do it, if it's a matchup. You know, Gruden's awesome at the matchup because Gruden's seen everything, everything from his days with Mike Holmgren to his days as a coordinator in Philadelphia to his Super Bowl championship with Tampa Bay and now his second stint with the Raiders. So he has a computer disc and computers full of plays, and he knows where the plays work and when they don't work. They don't work in a snowstorm. They don't work on the road as well. They don't work here or there. Gruden's got to isolate the Steeler players who aren't as good as Watt and Cam Hayward and get them in one-on-one coverage so the Raiders can at least have advantage plays for Derek Carr. Raiders had 26 first downs in that game. They were 7-15 on third down. Baltimore was only 3-12. That showed you that the Raider defense got off the field when it mattered. And that was really important to everyone out there. Now, remember, we told you going into the last game, and we nailed it. Baltimore averages, averages 191.9 yards a game rushing. 192. You know how many they had against the Raiders? 189. Off by three yards. 189. You look at the Steelers. The Steelers are a throwing team. But now they have Najee Harris, who they want to break in. Tell you one thing the Steelers would love to have is Najee Harris nominated for the AFC Ground Player of the Week because he ran for 150 yards against the Raiders, and the Raiders couldn't stop him. I think the Raiders can because K.J. Wright's going to play better. Littleton's going to play better. Depending on what happens with Kwiatkowski and this concussion protocol that he's limited in, we'll see if he can play. You know, Mike Mayock, we haven't taken one call this week on Mike Mayock, and I'm disturbed by it. Mike Mayock went out and got you depth for that game. Mike Mayock went out and got you K.J. Wright for that game. Mike Mayock went out and got you Denzel Perryman for that game. Mike Mayock went out and got the depth for this game. And no one's called my show through Thursday saying, hey, J.T., you know, hey, Mike, nice job. You gave us some good players so we can beat Baltimore. The depth is being used now more than I'd like to see it. I need Richie Incognito to play football. I know his sound bites. I know how tough he is. I know he can beat me up in a fight. We need him to play football. If he does, the Raiders are a different offensive line. Great show, Bobby. Way to put it together. Todd Parmalee and the entire team from Wahoo's Fish Taco. Really appreciate that partnership. And everybody in the kitchen now is chowing down on unbelievable wings, fish tacos. Food's fantastic. Fantastic. Chef, Chef Ray, the whole team that came in, fantastic. We appreciate Wahoos. Thanks to Phil Villapiano, Kevin Bollinger, who came in, and Kirk Bush, NASCAR driver, trying to win a championship again. I am out of here. I'll be back tonight on SiriusXM, and we'll wrap up the week tomorrow with Jim Plunkett. How about that, Raider Nation? Thanks, guys. Have a great day.